Hey, this is Quinn Jackson, and you're listening to The People Podcast. Welcome on in to The People Podcast. This week is episode number 25, and it's also the first episode we've ever done in March. As a big-time sports fan, when I think of March, there's really only one thing that comes to mind, and that's March Madness. So I knew we had to talk some college basketball this week, and boy, oh boy, did we deliver. As the star of this week's show is one of the most exciting players in all of college basketball. Quinton Jackson. Quinton is dominating Division I hoops at Texas A&M, but he has had quite the journey to get to this point. He grew up in Southern California, but wasn't eligible to play D1 basketball out of high school. So he goes to prep school for one year, then junior college for two years. But then he lands at Texas A&M where he has blossomed into a dynamic player on the Division I stage. It was really fun to talk to Quinn, and I'm really excited to highlight his story on episode 25 of the People Podcast. So without further ado, let's hear from the man himself, Quentin Jackson. Quentin, I'm super excited to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Well, let's start at the beginning of your journey, Quentin. I know you grew up in Gardena, California. What was it like growing up in the Los Angeles area, and when did basketball first enter the picture? Um, growing up in L.A. was um, wow, to say the least. Uh, it's a little bit of everything that goes on in L.A., so whatever you're trying to get your foot in, you can kind of find a way and get your foot in. Um, fun. Um just LA LA is just a it's a it's a vibe it's a place you kind of kind of got experience um from the right lens and, and you would understand but um basketball has been more of a thing for me uh since I was three years old like I've literally been playing basketball since I was three years old I've tried other sports um but basketball was the one that really stuck to me um but yeah I've been playing since I was three Right on. And for full disclosure, I'm from the Bay Area, so we do kind of have a little bit of a rivalry, I guess, from NorCal to SoCal. But you're right. LA (laughs) is a fun time. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm so fascinated in your story, Quentin, because it's a story of perseverance. Really, all throughout your life and your basketball journey, you weren't academically eligible to play D1 basketball out of high school, so you go to postgraduate school at Hillcrest Prep. What was that year like for you, and how did it prepare you for everything you're doing now? Um, that, that year, right after high school was, I think that was a, a huge year for me as far as like developing myself. Um, cause I graduated high school, I graduated high school, not early, but I was one of the younger kids cause I started school early from a younger age. So I graduated and I had just turned 17. So, um, I had graduated early, boom. So not being eligible um, to go to Division One kind of just allowed me to go to prep, get my body a whole nother year to develop, get older, get smarter, get wiser about the game, and then be ready for whatever the com- was to come next. So um, I think that prep school year was super monumental for me in my career. Um, it allowed me to kind of learn how to live on my own kind of in a way um, – I think it set up the the foundation for what I'm what I'm um what I'm going through right now. 
Yeah, it sure did. Because after one year of prep school, you go to junior college for two years where you're playing ball for College of Central Florida. And I saw an interview where you described the limited resources you were faced with there. But despite all that, you made the most of it. And you end up getting invited to a basketball camp called JA32 that really changes the course of your basketball career. What do you most remember about that camp and how did it propel you to the D1 stage? Um, What I remember most about the camp is kind of just the work that led up to the camp. So um, the guy who ran the camp actually hit me. He called me, texted me or whatever, um, telling me I was invited to the camp or whatever. Boom. I said, okay, like, I'll be there. Um, Just let me know when, where, and I'll figure out a ride, how to get there, um, things like that. Because my coaches weren't allowed to take me to the camp. So junior college, I'm from L.A. I'm all the way in school in Florida. So, boom, I got to find a ride to a school that's three hours away from me. So I call the homie, he, he, he take he take me to the uh he takes me to the camp. When I get to the camp, they're breaking down everything, how the camp is gonna run, they give you the teams, they tell you how many coaches gonna be here. The first day is a practice day, so everybody gets to practice, you get to do like whatever the coach um makes out for you. Um so it's probably about seventy 70 coaches in there at this point. We're, we're just doing practice or whatever. Um, the practice goes well, but in the practice, on the sidelines, they do um, like a bunch of like tests, like vert tests, agility, things like that. Um, and I had ended up going crazy. And um, like on the vert test, I had cleared the whole, the whole, um, I don't even know what it's called, but I had cleared the whole thing. Um, so that put me on notice. But then, like I was saying, the work that I was putting in at my school leading up to going to this camp is what allowed me to come to this camp with the confidence, like, I right, this is my time. I got everything I want sitting right in front of me. All the coaches are sitting right in front of me. Now it's just up to me to show them what I could do. And the first game, I think I ended up dropping 31 points or something like that. Um, second game, I think I had like 29 and third game, I think I had like, like 18 or something like that. But just the consistency of how I was scoring and how I was able to share the ball and how I was able to help my team win. I think that's what showed a lot of coaches like, oh, okay, like he, he's under the radar, but he could be a, he could be a hidden gym. That's awesome. And it's great that you were able to take advantage of that opportunity. And one of the coaches that sees you there or, you know, is intrigued by you after this is Buzz Williams at Texas A&M, which I imagine is much different than your days at Central Florida. What was your reaction when you first touched down in College Station? And what was that whole recruiting process like? Um, The whole recruiting process was crazy. It's really chaotic. It's really stressful because you've got Depending on how you've been recruited, um, you've got a bunch of coaches calling you, a bunch of coaches telling you this, a bunch of coaches telling you that, a bunch of people pulling you here, a bunch of people pulling you there, a bunch of people telling you, oh, I think you should go here, a bunch of people telling you you should go there. It's just a lot going on as a child, not a child, but like as a young adult, um, that kind of is just thrown on you in in a heartbeat. And you kind of got to handle it all, you got to juggle it all, and it's super stressful, but um, I think it's something that most people should go through because it, it teaches you how to how to juggle things that you necessarily um, don't want to juggle. Um, so that's one thing. But then the recruiting process with Buzz was a little different for me. Because um, to, to me, the recruiting process 
was I was hearing a lot of the same things from some of these coaches like, yeah, we want to get you here, of course. We want you to be a scorer for us, this, this, that, and the other, this, this, that, and the other. And it was mostly basketball. But when I started talking to Buzz, um, I actually started talking to our assistant coach, Devin, Devin Johnson first. That's who initially recruited me. And then he introduced me to Buzz. And then when I started meeting, when I met Buzz, he came up to my practice one time um, when I was at College of Central Florida. And after the practice, we had a little conversation. And the conversation wasn't really about basketball or what he could do, what I could do for their program. It was more or less what he what he wanted to do for my life outside of basketball. And that's what intrigued me because, uh, you know, young kids, young, 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 young adults, all they think about is, is, is basketball the right now. Like, yeah, I want to be in the NBA. I want to do this. I want to do that. But at some point the ball is going to stop bouncing. And everything he was telling me was, was, was things that was going to help me after the ball stopped bouncing whenever they, whenever that may have been. And that's what really intrigued me because he was really trying to help my life and not trying and not really seeing me as a, as a, as a, I guess, piece of meat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I imagine that's what the college recruiting process can be like. So it's cool to hear that Buzz was really interested in you outside of basketball. In fact, I heard him say that you have a magnetic personality and he was first drawn to you because of your energy. Is that something that's always been a part of you? Yeah. My mother tells me that, uh, my mother actually has been telling me that my whole life. She just says like I have an infectious personality. Like um, when I'm when I'm comfortable around people, um, I tend to let loose. I'm a goofy individual, high spirited. Um, I just want to have good vibes all the time. So I've never been a, like a Debbie Downer or anything like that. But my en- my energy is contagious. And um, when my coach started telling me that, it kind of clicked for me. Like oh, this could be something good that that I don't even know. Like, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because, you know, not every day am I going to wake up and am I going to have this infectious energy because, um, you know, some days people wake up and they're feeling in, in a bad mood. But, um, yeah, I, my mom's been telling me that for the longest. Um, and then for Buzz to say it, it kind of just, it kind of just clicked for me. Like, okay, maybe my mom was on to something. Like, now Buzz is on to something and it's, now that I'm older and now that I process it different, like I try to use my energy to help those around me, help my team, help my coaches, whatever that may be. I love that. And you really are helping them because you are flourishing at Texas A&M. This year, you are easily a top candidate for SEC Six Man of the Year. I mean, you just went off against Georgia, scoring 31 points, 11 of 11 from the field. And you're leading the Aggies in scoring, averaging more than 14 a game. How fun has this season been for you? And what's been the key to your success? This season has been probably the most fun I've, I've had in a while. Um, I know it's probably the first well, let me not jump too far ahead, but as of right now, this is the first full season of Division One basketball that I've, I've played. Um, first year coming here as a junior, get to the SEC tournament and shut down because of COVID. Then my next year, the whole year was just messed up because of COVID. We didn't play not one game in February. So that year was, was kind of just like a, a, a poop year. Um, so I never really had an opportunity while I was in Division One to really um, not showcase, but really let loose and, and be who I wanted to be. Um, but this year, I, I felt like I had unfinished business. So I, I, I signed for my COVID year. Um, I did an extra year. 
And I think it's as of right now, it's the best thing I, the best decision I've made. Um, because right now the team lost eight straight, cool, but we've all we're all mentally in the, in the right headspace as of how we're gonna attack what's next. Um, we were we weren't really looking at the fact that we lost eight straight. We were looking at how we lost the eight, and how we lost the eight was an was somewhat acceptable because. It wasn't like we were getting blown out or things like that. We knew the answer to the test. We just had to dial in a little bit more and finish our games. And we, we weren't finishing our games, so we just had to figure out how to finish our games. Um, yeah. You know, Quentin, one thing I love about your game is the ability to swipe the ball. In high school, you averaged two steals per game. In junior college, you were collecting a lot of steals. And in three years at A&M, you're averaging about one and a half steals per game. What's your secret to getting so many steals? Um. It's a, it's, Angela. I, I think it's a gift that I have been given. Um, I just, I'm around basketball so much, um, that I kind of have a, a sense of anticipation for what, what people are gonna do. Like I watch, I watch film. I watch people's tendencies when I'm on the bench. Um, I watch what people like to do a lot before they do something else. So I pick up on things kind of fast and, um. If I see a tendency that you're doing over and over again, then I'll kind of, i kind of watch it. Then once I watch it, like I wait for you to do it. And when you do it, then it's like, okay, boom, I know what's coming next. So it's like my my ability to anticipate what's coming next, I think, is a next level thing that helps me play those passing lanes, helps me get on ball steals helps me do things like that. Another thing about your game, Quinn, is that you have serious bounce, and it seems to have been with you for a while. I saw this video on Max Preps from 2016, where again, I guess it's your anticipation, but you and your teammate Nolan Willett knocked the ball loose, and on the fast break, he throws an alley-oop off the glass that you throw down and just posterize the defender. It reminded me of a play that Russell Westbrook made years ago when he was with the Thunder. But I'm curious, yeah. when did you first dunk a basketball and was that dunk in twenty sixteen your biggest one? Um that that was one of my that was one of my biggest ones. I first started dunking a basketball late. Like I my first in game dunk was at the I wanna say my first in game dunk was the at the beginning of my senior year, yeah, the beginning of my senior year was my first in-game dunk. I was probably dunking a little bit in the summer before my senior year. But like like I said, I, I was a late bloomer as far as dunking goes. But once I started, it kind of just took off. Like, ever since I haven't looked back, um, I think that's another God-given ability um, because I've never done, like, like before I got to um, college, I never lifted. Like, I never did nothing like that. So, I don't understand, like, I never understood how the bounce came, but I just kind of just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And I guess me keep jumping, me keep trying to dunk, um, build up those muscles and allow me to be able to jump the way I do today. And now I just kind of use it like, um, like we were saying earlier, like, like that energy boost uh, that I can bring to the team. Yeah, and it's not just posterizing defenders. I mean, you got the total package, whether it's the windmill, one hand, two hand dunks, it's everything. But it's not just yeah. the but it's not just the ball you're dunking, Quentin. I saw on Instagram the other day you were dunking Oreos in milk on a plane. So I gotta ask you, what is your <laughs> what's your go to pregame meal and your go to postgame meal? Uh go to pregame meal. Um the pregame meal for me doesn't really matter. I I just don't want it to be too heavy. Like I wouldn't eat like like a burger or anything like that. I try, I normally just probably get like a salad, some salmon, 
um, something like that. Um, and then after that, I just kind of snack on on little bites, um, honey buns, things like that. Um, and then post game, my fa- my favorite post game meal would probably be like Alfredo or something like that, just to get get back full. Okay, I love that. You got to get that protein and carbs and fuel up after a game, right? <laughs> um, exactly. But I I love my snacks, though. I love snacks. Love Oreos. Love little bites. Love honey buns. I love <laughs> all snacks. Amazing. Well, another thing, Quinn, is uh, one big thing for college athletes recently has been the ability to use their image and likeness to get paid, something that is long overdue. And I know you currently have an NIL deal yourself. What exactly is that deal like and how did it all come together? Um, The deal is it's cool. It allows you to um, it allows you to kind of build a brand for yourself. It allows you to become someone. Um. I think the NIL deal thing is, is a great thing that the NCAA has instilled um, for players who have names for themselves um, or who are trying to build names for themselves. It allows you to, it allows you to, to benefit off being you. Um, and as we know, people, uh, I don't want to say fans, but fans love, fans love us. So it's like, if you're able to benefit from being you, and people loving you, then I think you should. Um, and I think that's what NIL is. But for me, NIL has been great. Um, no complaints. Um, like I said, it's just been a, a, a way for me to be me and and be rewarded for being me. That's awesome, man. And it's how it should have been a long time ago. So it's really cool to see that this is all happening now. And I got one last one for you, Quentin. Obviously, March Madness is on the horizon and you and the Aggies are gearing up for a tournament run. But outside of that, what's next for you? Is your ultimate goal to play in the NBA? Yeah, that would be my ultimate goal is to play in the NBA. But um, I haven't really looked too far forward. Um, Yeah, that is the ultimate goal. But it's not just to play in the NBA. It's to thrive in the NBA. I don't want to sell myself short. A lot of people say, like, my goal is to go to the NBA. But then it's like, if you set your goal to go to the NBA, once you get there, it's like, okay, I'm content. I've made it here. My goal is to thrive in the NBA. I want to thrive in the NBA. I want to stick in the NBA. I want to be a great in the NBA. So when I get there, like, the work is not done. I will not get content. I'm trying to be the best player in the game. So, um, yeah, after this, whatever whatever comes, whatever is set for me, it, it, it will be set. But – my, if I had it, if I had to have it my way, I would, yes, I would go to the NBA. I love that. And you have the right mentality, Quinn. It's not just about making it to the top. It's about staying at the top. And those are two different exactly. things. You know, just about every team in the league could use more scoring and a top tier defender. So I'm excited to continue following your journey and see what's next for you. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you for joining the show and sharing your story. And it would be great to reconnect sometime in the future. No problem. Thank you so much for taking the time to want to know my story and want to know these things. What a wonderful conversation with Quentin Jackson. I mentioned it in the intro, but his story is just so unique. What I learned from Quentin is that you simply can never give up, as he has fought for his basketball dream at every stage of his life. I also learned that when preparation meets opportunity, amazing things can happen, as Quentin consistently worked hard, and when he got chances to prove himself, he did not disappoint. 
What did you learn from this week's episode? Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at People Podcasting and let us know. In the meantime, I'm going to get busy with next week's episode. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you all next Wednesday for episode 26.